You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. So here we are, it's Easter Sunday, happy Easter, I'm glad you're here. Today is actually the final Sunday in our seven-week look at the I Am statements in John's Gospel. A few people, I think, have been here for all seven Sundays, but most of us haven't, so it's probably smart for us to do a little bit of reviewing. We entered into this I Am series with the hope of learning more about who Jesus is, this person that we claim to want to follow, so that we might live with more clarity, more purpose, more intention. So we've been reflecting um, over this series on all of these different I am statements. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate for the sheep. Um, I'm the door, and so on. Well, today we hear Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Some of you were here last Sunday, or some of you from reading church publications know that we recently dedicated our brand new stained glass window, our resurrection window. That's in the columbarium, columbarium, which is just outside the doors of this sanctuary, back that way. And the columbarium, in case you don't know, it's a small room, which is a holy space for dozens of covenant families. It's the final resting place for the ashes of loved ones who have died. Now, thanks to the new window that we have, we have a visible reminder of the hope of resurrection that we have at the time of death. The hope that somehow, some way, death is not the final word. The hope that the worst thing is not the last thing. The hope, as Julian of Norwich has famously said, all shall be well. For those who are mourning a loved one who has died, and in some way we all are, I guess, some more recently than others, but Easter is a great day to remind us of resurrection hope. Even as we continue to weep, even as we continue to feel the sadness of a loved one no no longer physically with us, we hold up this resurrection faith. Thanks be to God. But the thing is, Easter is not just about afterlife. Resurrection isn't just about afterlife. Easter and resurrection are very much about life right here, right now, on this earth, today. You've already heard the narrative account of the resurrection from Luke chapter 24 that Joe shared with us this morning. The women finding the tomb on that first day of the week. And there are three things I want to make sure that you are noticing in that gospel account. First, in an era 2,000 years ago that was much more patriarchal than ours, it was women who were at the tomb first. It was women who were the first proclaimers of the good news of resurrection. It was the women who were the first preachers on Easter Sunday, on the first Easter Sunday. 
Throughout his life, Jesus had this way of welcoming surprising people, people who were on the fringes, people who had been ignored and discarded, like women and sick people and poor people and foreigners and such. And so, so with the women being the ones to proclaim this first Easter, it's a reminder for us that the good news comes from the margins and the good news of the gospel, the good news of God's love is for people at the margins as well as the rest of us. God's resurrection love is for everyone and we need to remember that. Second thing I want you to remember about that narrative account in Luke 24, Luke tells us that the male disciples didn't believe the women. They thought the report of the empty tomb was an idle tale. That's what the scripture says. Now, I had a seminary professor who said that the word, Greek word leros, which is translated as idle tale, could also be translated as baloney. You know, it was baloney. They didn't believe it. And she also said, and I'm quoting my seminary professor here, she also said you could also translate it as another word that begins with bull, but a word that we generally wouldn't want to say in church. So you connect the dots however you like on that. But the bigger point being, aside from a dumb joke, the point being is that resurrection is hard to believe. It's hard to make sense of it. It seems surprising and unusual. And as the disciples learned, following in the way of Jesus is not easy. It took them a long time to believe in resurrection in some way, shape, or form. It took them a long time to really figure out what it meant to follow Jesus. For us, it might take time too. It might take more than a fantastic sermon on Easter Sunday. It might take more than one time visiting church. We're all on a journey of faith, and that journey requires patience and perseverance, and it requires people to encourage and support one another along the way. It's one day at a time, one step at a time on the journey of trying to figure out what resurrection means and how to live as resurrection people. Third thing I'd like you to remember about that resurrection account, perhaps most importantly, is this image of the women going to the tomb in the darkness after the death of Jesus. They were going there to anoint a body. They were going to a place of death and they were expecting to find death, but they got there and the stone was rolled away. It was a new day. The sun was maybe just coming out over the horizon and they saw this empty tomb and that opened up to them new hope, new possibilities, new life as they began to explore what this resurrection meant and what this new life meant for them. New possibilities for living. So that was the gospel narrative that you heard earlier in the service. The gospel reading for today is just one, one verse. One verse from John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. This statement comes in the midst of the account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. It's a rather lengthy account. We don't have time to read the whole thing today. Go ahead and read it if you want this afternoon. Jesus speaks these words in chapter 11, right near the center of the gospel, just before Jesus heads to Jerusalem. It's fascinating. Now, I know a lot of you in this church have been reading John's gospel over the season of Lent, these last seven weeks or so. During this period, we've invited anyone who wants to, to read the entire gospel of John, all 21 chapters. I think it's good for people who call themselves Christians to read at least one gospel per year. The gospel of John will take you about two hours. It's the length of a short movie, or it's 15 minutes a day for 15, 20 minutes a day for a week, something like that. And if you've been reading along with the devotional that we put together and been emailing out, some people have hard copies, 
if you've been reading along, then yesterday you finished reading John's Gospel. So to those of you who made it all the way through, congratulations, you read the Gospel of John, good for you. John's probably the most challenging Gospel to read and get a sense of understanding from, so good job. But I'm wondering, for those who have read John, all of it or even just a little bit, I'm wondering if you noticed there's a word that pops up again and again and again in John's Gospel. And I wonder if you noticed that. The word is life. Life. We see that word in several of the I am statements of Jesus. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life. We see it in the first sentence, practically, of the gospel. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. We see the word again near the end of the gospel with sort of a summary statement where we read, these things were written so you may come to believe, and through believing, have life in his name. And then I think the most significant life passage in John is right in the middle of the gospel, chapter 10, where Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, meaning all of us, may have life and have it abundantly. Some translations say, have life in all its fullness. Life more than you imagined. So Jesus is very much focused on life right here, right now. Look at what he did with his life. He fed hungry people. He healed sick people. He cared about life in the present. And he called his disciples to do the same, telling us to love one another, serve one another, to feed hungry people, to live a new purpose and meaning right here, right now. The gospel is all about life, right here, right now, today, not just in the future. The sad reality is that we live in a world with too much death all across the world. Right now, I think we see that most clearly in Ukraine. Since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, like everyone else, I've been horrified by the reports and the images and the videos. I've been thinking and praying for the people of Ukraine. I've been thinking and praying for the church in Ukraine at the same time. This week, Father James Martin, Catholic priest, shared an image on Twitter of Ukrainians taking a relic of Jesus out of a cathedral and putting it in storage in a bunker. The last time they had to do this was World War II. It's sort of a sad and tragic image to think about this, but it's worth noting that just because this image of Jesus is being protected in a time of war doesn't mean the power of Jesus is going into hiding. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate that the resurrection gives us power to resist evil and to seek abundant life. Over the past several weeks, as I've been reading more and thinking more about the Eastern Orthodox Church and the church in Ukraine and all, I've seen an image a lot, a resurrection image, that comes to us from Eastern churches. It shows the resurrected Jesus coming out and trampling the doors of hell, the two doors crisscrossing at his feet there, and he's grabbing two people, grabbing two people and rescuing them. The people are Adam and Eve, symbolic of all humanity. In Western churches, we focus a lot on hell, but it's often the fires of hell. Our theology is shaped more by Dante's Inferno and Hellfire Brimstones of the 19th century than maybe it 
should be by the good news of the gospel, the grace, the peace that Jesus offers us that we read about over and over again. In Eastern churches, there's a sense that Jesus came not to send people to hell, but to rescue people from hell, to rescue people from hell on earth. I love the way in this image, close up a little bit, you can see the way Jesus is grabbing people by the wrist. He's grabbing them and pulling them out. As I look at artwork like this, I realize that sometimes we're the ones who get grabbed. We probably all have a story of when we've been pulled out of a dangerous, painful, hurtful situation. And I think God usually does that through other people in our lives, where literally or metaphorically we get grabbed and pulled and rescued, pulled out of the way of danger, comforted when we're sad, helped when we're lost to get back on track, pulled out of the way of danger. We're pulled back on track by people who have the courage to talk to us and get us straight when we've done something foolish or start going in the wrong way. Sometimes we're the ones who are grabbed, but sometimes we're called to be the grabbers. We're called to be the ones who help other people to find this new life. I thought late in the week after the bulletin was printed, maybe I should have called this sermon Grabbed and Grabbers. (laughs) That's kind of what we are. We're grabbed and we're called to be grabbers. Just because it's Easter Sunday, just because we're talking about resurrection, it doesn't mean that everything's fine and dandy in the world, that everything's magically made better. There are people all across this world, all across our community, and in this congregation who are struggling right now, people who are going through hell right now. And if you're one of them, if you're one of those people who might be going through hell, and I think at some point in our lives we all do, I encourage you to heed the old saying, if you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going as best you can, one step at a time, one inch at a time, however you can. And as you keep going, keep your eyes out. Somebody's going to be there reaching out to grab you. Maybe not physically, but spiritually, emotionally, metaphorically, to help you, to encourage you, to keep moving forward one step at a time. And if you're not in a hell-like place right now, if you're not in a dark and scary and hurtful place right now, or maybe it's just a little bit dark and scary, then maybe you need to be looking around and thinking about who you can grab and help. And obviously we need to be careful and smart about boundaries and you know, appropriate things. I'm not telling you to go grab people physically after church, obviously. But we're called to help one another, to encourage one another, to support one another, to be God's instruments to help people get out of hell and find this new life that Jesus came to bring. I see that happening all the time in the life of this church, the way people care for one another, the way people take care of one another, and the way we do it in the community as well. And it's nice to see it happening sometimes in the world around us. I saw that this past week. Ben Ashlock, pictured on the left of the screen here, the man with not a lot of hair. I like him already. He and his wife adopted their 16-year-old son from Ukraine about three years ago. That's their son pictured in the middle, 16 years old. They also, by the way, have 12 other children, eight biological and five total adopted Um, That's pretty impressive, but that's not the point of the story, but I thought you might want to know that. Anyway, 13 kids. They live in central Kentucky, and Ben is the general manager 
of a steakhouse, a Texas-themed steakhouse in Kentucky. And because of their connections with Ukraine, you see the steakhouse pictured on the, on the slide as well, because of their connections with Ukraine, after the Russian invasion in February, Ben removed one of the two Texas flags that was flying over the restaurant and replaced it with a Ukrainian flag. Just to be clear, he did not take down the American flag. He took down one of the Texas flags, one of two Texas flags. Well, that message apparently didn't get out to everybody because things were fine for several weeks, but as of last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, April 9th, all of a sudden, the word got out and the messages started coming in. This age of internet rumors and political divisiveness, all of a sudden they get started getting harassing phone calls and threatening messages on social media. They were called unpatriotic. They were called uh, cowards. They were told by people they would never eat there again. There was this avalanche of hateful messages like somebody wrote, take that trash flag down. May Ukraine be leveled to the ground. Somebody else wrote, I prefer my steak without a side of Nazi. And so on. The messages came in, these irrational, hate-filled, angry messages from all over the place. Employees were brought to tears. They're answering the phone expecting to take an order and they have to listen to this. The manager, Ben, he tried to respond to people calmly and focused, but he just got overwhelmed. There were so many calls coming in, so many messages on social media. Well, the word got out, thanks to a Washington Post article. I can send you the link if you want. The word got out, and just as Jesus' death wasn't the end of the story, the hatred of those posts and those phone calls isn't the end of the story either. People all over the country have responded with love. Just yesterday, Ben, the manager, the bald guy, he wrote on his social media page, on his Facebook page, and he wrote this. I would love to tell you that we heard our last negative comment today, or that we had our last employee reduced to tears over someone saying something mean to them about our situation, but that would be lying. But here is an absolute truth. Love won today. We were flooded, he continues, we were flooded with well wishes, and quickly those well wishes turned into random acts of kindness. People were calling in from all over the country and buying other people dinner. Random people, firefighters, police officers, and homeless shelters were given, were fed by anonymous people from across this great country, all in response to that hatred. Then he wrote that he was continuing to stay in touch with the people that he met in Ukraine during the process of adopting his son. He's friends with people in Ukraine. The uh, town where his son grew up has been leveled. Um, he lost a, a friend that he met in Ukraine, has already been killed in the conflict, so he's got these deep personal connections. He's in touch with people in Ukraine, letting them know what he's doing, showing pictures of the flag. And he posted, um, in this post, he shared a picture of his son. That's the Ukrainian-born son there. And he included these words from the book of Proverbs. The generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So I don't know if Ben, the manager, is a Christian or not, and I guess it doesn't really matter. He's a witness to transformative resurrection love with, with all the bitterness and craziness and conspiracy theories out there in the world. It's wonderful to see that goodness is alive and well in the world. The manager was right. Love wins. 
but it's a struggle. Doesn't always happen like that. We have to work on it, just like those first disciples had to work on learning what resurrection meant. So our closing hymn for today, it's one of my favorite Easter hymns. And there's a part in the third verse which I really enjoy, the, uh, the phrasing of it. The, the person who wrote the hymn wrote, Break the bread of new creation, where the world is still in pain. Tell its grim, demonic chorus, Christ is risen, get you gone. Christ is risen. The, the old translation says, Christ is risen, get ye gone. Um, I always like that. And I feel like that's our, that's our Easter task to stare, to, to come face to face with the evil and the sadness and the brokenness and the hurt in the world and to say, Christ is risen. God, God's love is real. Get out of here. Go away. Love will win. So we celebrate the good news of Easter through the resurrection of Jesus in the midst of the struggles and the hardship and the pain and the brokenheartedness. God is bringing new life, new hope, new purpose into the world right here, right now. And God's doing that to us, and God's doing that through us. Happy Easter. Thanks be to God.